Thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Play Sheet Podcast. I'm here, as always, with my friend Joe. Hey there, Charles. And then we've got one other guest who is a bit of a special entrance for this week, which is Gav, our runner-up from the Pickham's competition that we ran at the end of the season last year. First of all, Gav, congratulations. Well done on coming runner-up. Now, just for context for everyone, the winner of a competition wanted to keep an air of mystery about them, so uh, they declined the opportunity to come on the podcast. But Gav was more than willing to come on and talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, his team, which is no surprise. Yeah, I just wanted to come on and talk them up a little bit and just uh, speak to Charles about his team and, and how well they almost do every year. Excellent, Gav. So um, how long have you been a Tampa Bay fan for? I think like most people, I got into uh, the NFL through Madden uh, for the uh, the games. So I think I think I picked up Tampa purely because they got a cool symbol. It was back when they were in the orange orange kit with the pirate. So yeah, great symbol. That's how I got into it. It's probably about twenty twenty five years maybe. But yeah, that's that's where I started following Tampa from, and long miserable road since. But two <laughs> two two Super Bowls. No, I can't I can't complain. Which is more than I've had as a Vikings fan. And that symbol you're talking about, that kind of a. Uh orange helmet one that's that's probably going to come back this season or next with a new uh helmet rule changes i think uh, yeah now i'm not sure what game they've, they've highlighted for it yet but uh, yeah there is talk of it i mean they re- revived it with, with tom brady there was lots of shirts doing the roundabouts in the old the uh, pirate face so yeah it's pretty cool i think a lot of people have got a lot of love for that helmet so that'd be good to see that coming back yeah i'm not, I'm not keen on the orange like <laughs> <laughs> well aside from the aesthetics of things though tampa bay Obviously, a great season for you last year, a season for the ages, winning Super Bowl. I think the bookies at the minute have them either favourite or second favourite after Kansas City. Do you think that's fair, given that Tampa Bay were 10-6 and six in a regular season? So, you know, n- nothing too flashy there. They picked up towards the end going through the playoffs, and they obviously had that great playoff run. Do you think they'll carry that momentum into 2021? That is the thing. That That's what got us where we were and the, the win last year was that word it's momentum we had a really late uh, gap uh, in the I think it was towards week 13 I think we had our bye week yeah which just meant that they had, they actually had uh, a week to get practice and, and work on plays things that they were missing and they came back and we didn't lose a game to the end of the season things fell into place but yeah I, mean, I don't see us as favourites I've got to be honest stroke a look last year maybe but I don't see us as favourites We've got a really good chance. We've got all the key components there. For me, I actually think the Bills are going to come through good. But Interesting. Kansas are always going to be knocking on the door. I know, I just, the Bills have just been a bit quiet, but I think they'll, they'll still put together a decent run. But they're both teams that you wouldn't theoretically see until Super Bowl night. In terms of the NFC, how would you rate your chances there? Because, I mean, surely you've got to see yourself as favourites no, definitely. I, I would put us. I would put us down as winning the, the NFC. Okay, so I, I can't. I can't see us not making the playoffs this season. Right. So you think another Super Bowl trip, Ben? The whole running back thing worries me because that, that's pressure. You know, I, I, I'd like to think they could, but last year, do you know what? Every game we played, I thought to myself, if we lose, we've done amazing. You know, the, the game against Green Bay. And then, you know, we were nowhere near our favourites, even though it was a home game. We were nowhere near favourites. I mean, we absolutely destroyed Kansas. Yeah. yeah. Holmes had no answers. Yeah. 
So yeah, I think I think I try. I'm try, probably sitting here trying to play it down massively because <laughs> it'd be it'd be amazing. I mean, like everything Tom Brady touched last year towards the the back end of the season just just worked. So how are we feeling about no knee sleeve Brady? I mean, again, I look at a lot of the stuff he does, the TB12 stuff. He goes on about uh, the yoga and the the mobility stuff, and he's saying he's feeling better than he's ever felt. I think we've got a, a very good defensive line that can protect him. We've got a lot of decent options at running back. So I think, you know, potentially he hasn't got anything to worry about. They should give him the space to work, hopefully. That's the way I see it. But Yeah, I suppose the thing is he was never a massive scrambler anyway. So I don't expect it to make a massive impact to his game, whether he's wearing it or not. But he was recovering from COVID towards the end of his celebrations of the Super Bowl. And there's reports of some people suffering from long-term COVID symptoms. I suppose where I'm going with this is every single year we get a report that says, is this the year that Brady finally isn't the Brady that we're used to seeing? And every year we say, never count him out it's Tom Brady but are there enough variables this time round with his knee operation not wearing the sleeve recovering from COVID that we could see a difference in his ability and performance but surely you'd have to predict that playing with a knee brace is preferable to playing with a torn meniscus (laughs) sure yeah but then he's been wearing that knee brace for what 11 years now more than that so it's it's something that he's always really had I was going to say that, I mean, a lot of the pundits last year questioned his arm countless times, week in, week out. And then I think if you actually look back through the season of the highlight reel, I think there was a couple of passes to Scotty Miller that were just absolutely raining down on him. Oh, yeah. The, the arm strength is still there. No, absolutely. I think that's a real good point and something that a lot of the so-called pundits always overlook. Brady doesn't have a cannon in the same way that, you know, someone like Marino or, you know, someone like Josh Allen has. So it's not like he's got a weak arm. He's not got, you know, a final season Drew Brees arm. He's got a strong arm, and it's, it's it's often kind of overlooked. And he's Tom Brady. And he's Tom Brady, exactly. So Tom Brady aside, the GOAT aside, there haven't been that many pickups or movements in the offseason because obviously the focus was on bringing the roster back. But they have, of course, picked up Gio Bernard to help out with their run game, which in fairness at at times was patchy last season. Do you think that that is a positive introduction? Do you think that helps in terms of of competition and pushing people's games forward? And do you think that that is enough? Or do you think that there were other areas that could have done with a little bit more focus beyond the running back position? I think we're a win now team. I think... That's how I looked at it last year. There doesn't seem to be a lot of depth. I mean, Bernard is a is a veteran. He's a very good backup. I actually don't see him getting much game time, barring you know Fournette or um, Keyshawn Vaughan and Rojo. Yes, you know I think he's going to be fourth choice. Um, there was talk that he found space as third third down guy because I think they'd moved Keyshawn Vaughan over to special teams for uh, punt receptions. I think. But, yeah, no, there's not a lot of depth, not not there for, for me. I think we've got a lot of ageing players in the offensive, yeah, offensive tackle. I think we, we added, I think we added Tristan Wirth last season. He was immense. Wirth was great, yeah. Yeah, but as, as a team, I, th- I think there are 
holes, let's say. You've got ageing players, but you've also got you've also got a lot of rookies that are going to be going that we can, won't be able to pay. Yeah, just... well, I think it's quite kind of interesting as well because last year it's arguable that the foundations of a Super Bowl win were built on the draft that you had. The draft uh, last year was great. Immense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Bringing in Worths, bringing in Winfield Jr. Yeah, yeah like, the, like the players who came in were instant impact players and they put you yeah. in that window to win the Super Bowl. This year, probably less to get excited about in the draft. Your first round pick, Joe Tryon, he's probably more of a development edge rusher, doesn't have a great pass rush yet. You've got Kyle Trask at the end of round two and if Kyle Trask is starting, then you've got problems because it means Brady isn't starting. I mean, Robert Hainsey, who's a depth piece in the third round. So, probably not too much to get excited about from a draft this year? No, not a lot. But I think you've got to give it to the management over the years. I say you've mentioned some of the names, but if you look look back through the last three years, free agency in the draft, players that they picked up that you would have said, "Mm, average at best, but they then turn into, you know, Sean Bunting, Scotty Miller, Devon White. You know, I don't think they were electric college players, but they've grown into big pieces within within the team. So, you know, you can only hope that the, that the management have looked at the players and looked at the holes, because it's it's always a long game. You're always thinking two, three seasons in front, aren't you? Really? Yeah. Um, well, the, the GMs are not so much the fans, like I say. It's that win win now mentality. Yeah, but you know, we have spoken about how good last year's rookie draft was for the Bucks and they've brought them all back. They're all still there. So I suppose the expectation is that they continue to build on that strong performance they had in year one and develop even more as players in the in the second year. I think two of the other pieces that I'm really kind of excited and, and looking forward to seeing potentially build on their first year with the Bucks is Antonio Brown, who we know has that hookup and that connection with Tom Brady. And we started to see them find each other a little bit more towards the end of the season. In training camp, Brady has looked to target him a fair bit. So, you know, I really strongly believe if that connection continues to develop, Antonio Brown could be pushing for a wide receiver two, maybe even wide receiver one position within this team. And then, of course, going back to uh, his New England Patriot days again, you've got Gronk there. And Gronk was a little bit slow to start that connection with, with Brady last season. And if he picks up where he left off, then they're already starting from a much stronger position than they started last season. No, definitely. So, Gav, so Chaz has just mentioned a few of the older veteran players there. I guess it's quite a hard question to answer, considering most of this team are Super Bowl winners. But are there any kind of younger players, any rookies who maybe didn't have an impact in their first year, who might have a better sophomore season? Who should we look out for who maybe is flying under the radar for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now? I think Tyler Johnson, for me, is probably right on the peripheries, right on the edge of the wide receiving core. But I think, you know, injuries, talked about the depth. I think if he gets the chance, I mean, he, I think, I can't remember the game, it was possibly against the Packers. Absolute key catch, yeah. Yeah, you know, and he came from nowhere, I'll be honest. He came on and caught that pass and I was on the phone going, Where's, where's he come from? And it's so yeah. I'm I'm hoping he comes as a bit of a get gets a bit more time again. But I think it's what what role they put him in because we are so stacked at wide receiver. You know, Godwin they've put the money down with Godwin Evans. I Mike think Evans, Evans has there, took, yeah. He's took a cut to to keep people and you know that that was a very 
noble thing to do. Yeah, Tyler Johnson would be interesting. I think Antoine Winfield Jr. as well. He for the position that he plays. I think, I think, yeah, it's it's good to watch him on day. It really is absolutely. I mean, just to finish off, Gav, there's obviously uh, 17 games this season. We have getting the, we're getting the extra game. Which Tampa Bay Buccaneers game are you looking forward to the most in the 2021 season? I'd be lying if I didn't want to see Brady stick it to New England. That'd be good. I think that's week four, maybe. It's in New England, so yeah, to see to see Brady and Gronk go back, that that'll be uh, that'll be good. Excellent. Excellent. Well, you've heard it here first from Gav. Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going back-to-back Super Bowls and he's quietly confident that they're going to do it again. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. As long as he's not the Packers. (laughs) Excellent. Gav, thank you so much for your time today. Congratulations once again on coming runner-up in the prize draw. For our winner, by the way, the mug is on its way to you and we'll have that there shortly. But yeah, look forward to having you in more competitions and maybe coming back next year as the winner, Gav. Yeah, no, thanks for having me, guys. Keep up the, uh, the good work. Loving the podcast. It's uh, really good to listen to. Gav, that was awesome. Thank you very much for chatting to us. It's always great to hear and speak to listeners. So moving on to the next item this week, Chaz, we're going to talk about some of the games we're excited to see this week. Where are we starting? Where are you going to take us to first? Let's start from the very start and let's start with Thursday night's game, the Buccaneers against the Cowboys. Let's start off with this one. Uh, I I kind of feel, and I never thought I'd say this, but I kind of feel sorry for the Cowboys. I mean, to have their first game of the season after such a disastrous season for them last year against the Super Bowl winners, it it's a tough place to try and get back on track. And then especially, of course, with the news of Zach Martin being out as well due to COVID testing, it really does not help this kind of new look yeah, and you touched on it there, the news about Zach Martin, and I think that's absolutely pivotal. We saw what happened last season whenever the Dallas team had anyone leave the O-line. If the starting O-line is on the field, they seem to have a chance. As soon as you lose players, the whole thing seems to crumble in. And any time a starter was out last season, it spelled really bad news for them. Zach Martin is a pivotal piece of that line. And to be honest, against that Bucks defensive line I just can't see how Dallas are going to be able to weather this storm it could get messy and to be honest I wouldn't want to be bringing a quarterback back who's had a lot of injury in this game when this damaged line is going up against that high-powered defensive line no absolutely not and actually it wasn't something that we spoke about when we were chatting to Gav but I'm quite interested to see how Shaquille Barrett performs in this matchup I, I kind of felt that last year he was not the kind of Shaquille Barrett that we come to expect over the years. And I think there's some room for growth here. So, you know, if there's a weakness in in that Dallas O, I think Shaquille Barrett could be your man to just absolutely go for it. I'm going to agree with you and disagree with you there, Chaz. The bit I'm going to disagree with is that I don't think that Shaquille Barrett necessarily needs to have a bounce back season. I mean, 2019, when he had that huge season, 19 and a half sacks, I think it was, he had a career high tackles and both solo tackles combinations. He had a huge 2019 and he was and, and he was a name on most people's lips. But we've got to bear in mind, that was the only season that he ever started every single game. His first four years in, in Denver, I think he only started 15 games across four seasons. Last season at Tampa Bay, he still started 15 games. Didn't have astronomical sack figures with eight, but I mean, I still, you know, one every two games, respectable. Had a safety. I think he had a solid 
season last year. But whatever he had was always going to be down on his 2019 numbers because you just can't sustain that level of production. Yeah, I suppose just obviously off that 2019 season, you kind of go into it thinking that there's at least a double-digit sack figure there for Shaquille Barrett. And not to say exactly to your point, he didn't perform badly, but I still think there is room for growth there going off what we have seen that he can produce. I think there's there's more to come from him this season than maybe we saw last season. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, maybe more to come from last season, but just maybe don't expect the 2019 numbers. And I guess this is a lesson as well for people who are really high on players like Trey Hendrickson and Riddick Hazen is that it's very, very hard to duplicate that level of production year on year because offensive lines are going to be wise to you and they're going to be doubling up on you. So Shaquille Barrett was probably facing a fair degree of that last season as well. So let's see what happens. Going back to your original point, though, Chaz, what I will agree with you, though, I think that Shaquille Barrett will have a great night on Thursday. Like I said, we're focusing on this Dallas line, but there's just been so much evidence in the past. Like we've touched on, every time one of their starters goes down, it spells trouble for them. And a huge piece like Zach Martin, there's going to be trouble with him not around. Dak Prescott is going to have to be on his absolute A game and super aware because coming back from an injury, he's going to have to be really careful facing that dangerous Bucks D-line. Yeah, and as I mentioned when we did speak to Gav, Antonio Brown's another one I'm going to be keeping an eye out on just to kind of see if that Brady-Brown connection's whether they've doubled down on that or whether he's still being targeted the same amount as he was last season. Okay then, Joe. So moving on from Dallas and Tampa then, which matchup do you want to take a look at next? So I want to talk about just two more games, really. Two more games that I want to focus on. And these are what I'm going to call kind of Debbie Downer games. They're games where both teams are going to be teams that generally people aren't too hot on that generally people are already writing off and teams that aren't really favoured to reach playoffs. Let me start with the Jags at Texans. We all know Trevor Lawrence is at the Jags. We all know some of the players have picked up in the draft. But to be totally realistic, it's probably not going to be a playoff season for the Jags based on the very low base that they're coming from. The Jags are at the Texans on Sunday. Jags are only three-point favourites. Texans, as I think we've been right to say and right to feel, we're very down on this team, and we should be. This Texans team look terrible. But Jags only three-point favourites, so the bookies have it as quite a close game. Now, it's just say for argument's sake, the Texans go and win this, it could show what they're going to be about this season. That, yeah, sure, they're not going to trouble their playoff favourites. They're not going to go and win Super Bowl, but they're not going to be pushovers, and they're going to be a fawn in several team sides. Conversely, if the Jags get off to a good start here, I mean, it's just going to carry over that momentum they have from a draft with those feel-good feelings picking up Trevor Lawrence and thinking that the franchise has turned a corner. How do you see this one going, Charles? Yeah, in a similar fashion, I don't really think the Texans have much to either gain or lose from this matchup, but I do think the Jags have everything to lose. The Houston Texans are a team that we've analysed in some detail on the podcast and and they're way, way back from where they should be due to mismanagement of the team, to be fair. The Jags got their number one pick. They're building a team around Lawrence and if they can't be seen to beat the Texans, you're right, you know, that could take the wind out of the sails for for a team like the Jags that are trying to build on the hype and you take that hype away. Theoretically, the Jags are not getting an easier game in week one absolutely they're the team you'd want to pick out of the hat so if they don't win it it's danger zone for them yeah just in terms of the narrative i mean obviously they'll continue to plod on and and build their team around lawrence and 
build their team how they see fit but it's so much easier when you have the support of the fans and the support of the media to be able to grow and build that team than it does when you've got articles being written about you all the time and you're fearing for your job yeah and we've kind of mentioned this so we mentioned this on a podcast last season and this might be quite hard to believe for some fans out there but in that texans locker room those texan players will still believe that they're going to Super Bowl and that they're going to win the Vince Lombardi Trophy at the end of the season. Because if you don't think like that, you can't go out there and train, you can't go out there and perform. You're just not a football player. That's going to be in the Texans' mind. The slight difference, though, in terms of pressure is that there's no expectations, so they won't be getting the heat that good teams would if they lose. The Jags are going to have a little bit more heat. There's going to be that pressure around Lawrence. He's had the win streak. What, he's never lost a game in his life, is that right? He never lost in high school. He never lost in college. So he's he's got this, this, this pressure behind him that's always going to follow him throughout the first few years of his career here. There's pressure on the Jags. There's less pressure on the Texans, even though both sets of players probably think they're going to win. I still think that the Jags will do enough. I think that it's so easy in the season here to say that there's a must-win game. If you can't beat the Texans, that's a terrible, terrible, terrible start to your season. Yeah, it's not how you want to start. So then uh, I'm taking a guess at your second Debbie Downer matchup then. It's got to be Falcons and Eagles, surely. Yeah, so the fan bases are going to be slightly more up on these teams. There's probably always the positivity coming from Eagles fans that they think that they can win the NFC East. And to be honest, with some of the other teams in that division, they may not be that far wrong. And again, I think there's some Falcons fans who still think that it could be Matty Ice's almost last dance, that there's enough of an offence there to kind of tick things along, especially with Carl Pitts joining the team and you know the alleged generational talent that he is. So there's, there's a few things for each fan bases to be optimistic about, but coming from a very impartial, unbiased view, I think most non-Eagles and non-Falcons fans wouldn't have him again as favourites for the playoffs. But let's look at this. The Eagles, their next three games after playing the Falcons are the 49ers, the Cowboys and the Chiefs. That's not an easy run, even if we are slightly down on the Cowboys. It's two extremely losable games there and you probably still put the Cowboys as a favourite. So Eagles lose this and they could be starting the first quarter of the season 0-4. Falcons, they have the Bucks, Giants and Washington next. Again, not an easy run. Probably a little bit easier than the Eagles. But again, the Falcons lose this. If the Falcons can't beat the Eagles, can they beat the Giants? Can they beat Washington? <clears throat> probably not. So if either team loses this, they could be on for an 0-4 start. And it could send, once again, a very bad set of momentum for them early in the season. I was looking at this matchup and I, I'm i glad the bookies have been able to find the 3.5 favourite because I was struggling between these two teams. I just wonder... Unlike what we were saying with the Jags, if either of these teams go on an 0-4 run, I mean, both fan bases are aware they're in rebuild territory. Do you think it's that catastrophic for either team? It's probably not. The Falcons, though, they do have to replace Matt Ryan relatively imminently. He's got a season or two maximum left. Having a top five pick wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for them. Eagles... The Eagles are going to be an interesting side to watch this year because they have to rebuild. They've got so many veterans on heavy contracts who are coming to the end. They've got so many gaps in the roster. But it's going to be interesting to see what pieces will carry over. Whether there's enough there with Jalen Hurts to build around. Personally, I don't think there is. But let's give him a chance. Let's see if there is. Let's see him starting for at least the first half of the year. Yeah. 
And then before we sign off then, I think probably one game that a lot of neutral fans are going to be very interested in is going to be the Chiefs and the Browns. Absolutely. Chiefs and Browns. As all our listeners will know, we're not in the game of hot takes. We're not here to say ridiculous things. But all I want to say is the Browns were a playoff team last year and they weren't a one-and-done team. They won in the playoffs. They beat the Steelers. The Browns are coming off a foundation from last season. In my opinion, I feel the same about the Browns draft in 2021 as I did about the Bucks draft in 2020. I think not only did they hit the positions they needed to hit, I feel they picked some really, really good players in the early rounds. I'm talking Jeremiah Owusu-Koromiah, who looks a great prospect at linebacker. They were picking late in the draft, so missed the kind of early run of cornerbacks, but still got Greg Newsom too, who's probably the best of the rest. Defensive tackle, Tommy Togai. You know, there's some really interesting players who they picked up there. And you combine that with, again, probably I would say the best free agency in 2021. Patriots made huge splashes with the amount of money they threw out there, especially on tight ends. There was big news around the Bucks managing to retain their Super Bowl starters. But you look past that, I think the Browns had the best free agency offseason of any team in the league. Great offseason, great draft. I'm not going to make hot picks. I'm not going to bet against the Kansas Chiefs, but I'm just saying don't be surprised if there's a result that people act like they're shocked about come Monday morning. Well, for me, I think one of the key signings for the Browns, and I think the one that's going to have a massive impact in a game like this, is Clowney. I, I think that we saw Garrett is a force, but he was getting double teamed a lot last season. Having Clowney in the mix as well just means teams aren't going to be able to do that anymore. We've already spoken about how the pass rush is a bit of a blueprint to beat the Chiefs. So to have two fantastic edge rushers, it is going to put Mahomes under pressure. And that's exactly what you need to do to stop them. When we saw the Chiefs and the Browns match up last season... They were not a million miles off. Now, sure, Mahomes had to come off, I think it was about halfway through the game. But I really think having a a reinforced defense, one that isn't so easy to read, one that's a little bit quicker, could be the difference in this matchup and might see the Browns come out on top, potentially. And let's work our way back here, Chaz, because you're excited about Clowney. I wasn't even going to talk about Clowney. I think the best free agency pickups they had were Troy Hill and John Johnson, the raid of defensive backs they did from the Los Angeles Rams. So there's so many players in free agency who they picked up who are going to make this defense really monstrous. And this is a Kansas City team that's going to be licking its wounds who, let's be honest, got a whooping in Super Bowl. And there was a blueprint there, like you say, a blueprint that was laid down of how to beat them. So we're going to be pushing social media more over the next few weeks. During the game on Thursday night, I'm not going to be live tweeting every single play because you're up that late, you're going to be watching the game. But we will be doing our usual irreverent memes and whatever. So drop us a follow. We're PlaySheet Sports on both Twitter and Facebook. And then on Instagram, we're PlaySheet Podcast. And of course, we've got our website, PlaySheetPodcast.com, where we'll post all our predictions so that we're keeping them off the podcast, along with any kind of relevant news and information that we want to share as and when it comes in. So drop us a tweet, slide in our DMs. We'd love to hear from you. (laughs) And uh, we're going to be together on Super Sunday. We are going to be together. Play Sheet Podcast Sleepover. That's it, yeah. So again, love to hear from you. We'd love to see any photos you've got of the first NFL Sunday of the season. All of you in your gear, all of you in your man caves or wherever it is that you're watching the football, tweet us. 
Instagram us and uh, we'll catch up next week with a bit of analysis from all the action. I'll see you listeners next week. Chaz, I'll see you Sunday. See you then.